and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. We were all expecting a free weekend before facing Port Vale on Tuesday in the Pizza Trophy, but lo and behold, we've managed to somehow rearrange a fixture at a few days' notice, and our Boxing Day game, which was with Hull City, uh, has now been rearranged for this Saturday. So at super short notice, we've got Tigers fan Bobby Hadgraft of the Holderness Gazette and a UA92 student. But first and foremost, Bobby, before we get into the game, how are you doing? As well as you can be doing in these times. I mean, how many times have you heard that over the last 12 months? You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy. I'm happy that there's a game this weekend to watch because otherwise it would have been a weekend in just watching anything that's on the telly. It's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Getting the game like on this weekend because you could never do that in any other time. But I'm a bit, I'm, I find it a bit strange that they didn't arrange this beforehand because none of us have had a game or knew none. We've known that we haven't had a game for a few weeks now, haven't we? Are you quite surprised at how short notice it is? I am quite surprised because obviously it needs to. You, you need to organise the broadcasting of the game, um, which is a logistical nightmare anyway. So to have it brought, kind of re- reorganised at such short notice, I was quite surprised about. Yeah, it's it's odd because there is still stuff you've got to put into place. Obviously, fans not travelling home or away is, is kind of the easy thing because that's not going to happen, but... You would think if this was a discussion that was had, it would have been had before Wednesday, <laughs> which is the day. But we're happy for it, right? We're happy that it's going to go ahead. Of course I am. I'm really, you know, we're up for it. We're in good form as well. I thought there would be too much of a delay because we've just come on, um, off the back of a win, our first win after three consecutive losses in the league before then. So it is a really positive time for us to be playing. Yeah, you got back on track with that game. I did want to chat about your first sort of six months or however long it's been in League One. Now, I remember Sunderland's first six months, as well a lot of listeners. I really enjoyed it. We were winning games after a run of like getting beat week in, week out. Then it kind of went south, but that's a, another story for another day. Um, how has the first six months been for yourself in League One? How have you found it? It's been quite a dream, to be fair. I mean, um, for a lot of fans, I think they um, kind of got the hopes a bit too early. I mean, he, I mean I'm mean, i guilty of doing that. I was saying, oh, we're going to win the league. Um, HMS Pistol League was uh, very, very much trending within Hull City fans. Um, but I do think we've had a kind of slap of reality now. Um, those losses, they didn't come to even rivals for promotion. It was when we got a draw against Oxford 1-1. And I was a bit disheartened by that because that is a very winnable fixture. Shrewsbury, I mean, the thing is with Shrewsbury, they ended up beating other kind of contenders around us after that. So maybe they've, maybe it was us playing poorly, but also them having a really good spell. Um, Blackpool, that loss was devastating because it was a last-minute goal after we just equalised to kind of, we, well, we thought we'd nick a point. Um, and then, obviously, Pompey beat us 2-0. And, uh, again, it's just one that we should have won because, really, I see every game as winnable in this league. But then I suppose that's, it's almost the ignorance of being relegated from the Championship because we've actually kept quite a, strong squad of players like on paper we could we should walk the league but as we know that's you know league one's unpredictable yeah no absolutely and I think there'll be a lot of Sunderland fans recognize that as well you kind of even now we go into games and every game's winnable but unfortunately at this level every game is losable as well you lost against a few teams that were like mid-table and around like not not as you said before not promotion rivals did that kind of first defeat that you had give you a sort of a welcome to League One feeling? Because it's always a, a last-minute winner that goes in against you or a crappy decision that goes against you. And then you sort of realise you're in League One. Have whole fans 
kind of clicked on to the level that they're at yet. If they clicked on other teams, time wasting and doing what they do to the, the bigger clubs in this division, or you're still kind of just getting used to the, being in the division at the minute? I think, and I know we'll touch on this later, as much as I'm not, I don't have great confidence in Grant McCann. He mm-hmm. is very experienced in this league. Yeah. Um, he had good experience with Doncaster. He took them to the playoffs. But um, I think that kind of experience has kind of translated to the players. So we kind of do know what to expect. But reality checks like that, especially when, I mean, you, we've both been teams who in the last decade have been Premier League Championship all over the place. Yo-yo pushed. Um, so we've kind of, uh, like, as a fixture, say Swindon Hull, that would be a cup game. A few years ago, I would have said, nah, that's not a league game. That's not a league fixture. So to have that reality of being defeated by one of those teams, Tim Pot aside, yeah. sorry, Swindon fans, um, it's a bit of a shock to the system. But I do think now that we've faced it, especially the run of poor form, that is when we've realised something has to change. Grant McCann's very stubborn with his tactics. A 4-3-3 formation is always favoured. Um, but I think he's switched up the plays a bit. Brought, I mean, it's been forced through COVID as well. Um, our squad against Charlton saw quite a, quite a number of changes, especially to the back line. Um, but obviously, we benefited from that change. Yeah, and it was a good win, obviously, against Charlton. I think one big thing we talked about off-air beforehand, and it's a thing that I don't want to mention, but I think we do mention it, but COVID, as you've touched on previously, Um None of us have been able to attend games this season. If we have, it's been few and far between. I think we all feel a little bit disconnected because of the way that we're watching games. Sunderland have had issues with the chairman this season and last season and for numerous seasons if we really go back into history. But one club that's probably had even more has been Hull. Obviously, there's been loggerheads with the Allens for, for quite a while now. With COVID happening and stuff like that, with the fact that you're second in the league, has that situation changed or is there still a little bit of animosity between yourselves and the chairman? I would say definitely in the fan base. Um, I, I don't think those ties can be healed. I think a lot of the that situation at the moment would be that we want new owners. I've seen, I mean, obviously the Wigan um, ownership takeover has been fallen through now, but we were saying how come all these clubs before us have been sold. Um, the asking price isn't appropriate for the level our club's at now. And prior to lockdown, it was funny at the time, you know, because when they announced behind closed doors, the first thing I thought was this is Hull's advantage because our home crowds are actually so disheartening. I actually, at the end of last season, decided... I'm probably going to ease off home games because I was at uni in Manchester, but I was commuting when I could. Like, I cancelled my membership for uni, um, but I decided to, um, like, go to games because I, obviously I'm hooked. But going, the atmosphere, compared to a few years, like, seasons back in the Premier League, it was... I mean, that's natural. Obviously, you'll naturally lose fans as you drop league. But in the Championship, we were, we had a fantastic run of perform in, um just ahead of Christmas. And we were actually one point off the playoffs on the 1st of January when we beat Sheffield Wednesday last season. But like the crowds didn't reflect that. Do you know what I mean? People weren't turning up to watch this team that at that point, I thought we're going to make the playoffs. So yeah. I just think it's going to be really difficult to win back fans. It does. I think Sunderland fans will probably identify a little bit with that as well. And obviously every situation is different, but... Although it's not been confirmed as yet, unless things change by the time this goes out, um, it looks like we're going to get took over. There's been an announcement on the site and, and so on and so forth um, by Kirill Lewis-Dreyfus. But 
I remember at the time, the past year at least, it's felt a little bit like we've been in a pause mode because you feel like you can't move forward even if you win a game. You're not moving anything but backwards with the people you have in, in charge of the club. Does it feel like that? Then does it feel like until they go, there's never going to be a real sense of like, right, we can push forward now? Absolutely. I think even this season, um, a lot of fans kind of see it as rectifying last season's mistakes because there was the squad we had in January, there was no, nothing to say that we should have gone down. I mean, the biggest thing, the biggest mistake from last season, and understandably, you need to make money off players, but we sold our star duo in Camille Grzycki, obviously he went to West Brom, and Jared Bowen went to West Ham, and that killed us because those two, if we kept them two, God knows what could happen. We could be in the Premier League right now. And I think a lot of people are upset that they saw the money. And I mean, obviously, you know, the players' personal circumstances, they'd want the big move. West Brom were pushing and obviously Premier League sides for Jared Bowen's massive. All Hull City fans wanted that, but it just killed it. And we, we never got substantial replacements and we just expected to continue the season despite losing our greatest assets, which, yeah, yeah as demonstrated, wasn't sustainable. One of the, the big questions I should probably ask whilst we're on the topic of that, I hadn't planned on asking, but one of the replacements that you did bring in was Marcus Madison. Um, Marcus Madison's been someone, I wish people could see your face as I mentioned the name there. Um, <laughs> someone that Sunderland fans for years have wanted to bring him in because he's from the area, because he's done well at this level and because we're missing a player of his ability, if you prefer. But I spoke to a whole fan at the start of the season. I spoke to a few Charlton fans recently. Is Marcus Madison really the player he's made out to be? Uh, well, he's certainly got an eager of a <laughs> top flight, top six player. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, at the time, when it got announced, I thought, benefit of the doubt. We, you know, we haven't, he haven't played for us yet. Give him a chance. Let's see if Grant McCann can tame his eager because they've experienced, um, experienced each other before. But no, I mean, after the whole game um, on Saturday against Charlton, he put something really sarcastic on social media as well. And I saw that. It's just any opportunity, do you know what I mean, to take a dig at clubs who've given him the opportunity. And he was desperate for a club when we signed him. Yeah. But yeah, not happy with him. Because <laughs> remember he's when, gone. It, when it happened, we, we thought like, he'll go to Hull, he'll do well, he'll, he'll end up signing at the end of the season because it was, obviously his contract was up, so it looked like a six-month loan deal and then he would he would sign. Um, but I think it was a particular game, or I think it was the Leeds game I might have watched and he, he looked woeful. And I did see that message he posted and it's kind of, it was offensive to his own club in a way because he was on the bench again, wasn't he? Um, so it's kind of offensive to the club he plays for and the club he's just left. But I always like to touch on that because I never felt he was the man that, change someone's fortune so it's always nice to get an outlook that at least agrees with mine so thanks for that because you're making me look like a I was mystic Meg um <laughs> when it comes to Hull in general then I suppose you were our first opponent of the season I think on that day although you beat us on penalties I felt we were the better side and I thought Hull might struggle a little bit here but then you went on a really good run of form I think you won should we say the majority of the, the games at the start of the season what do you think was the reason for your good early season form? Because a lot of teams come down here and they get that reality check immediately. You've maybe got it in the middle of the season, but you're still sitting second. So what's the reason behind the, the good form? So as I've already touched on, I think Grant McCann and his experience, because um, I really didn't think that we would make such a superb start as we did. Um, I was quite surprised, uh, but I think we have a squad who were kind of on the fringe of last season's 
um, team and I think they all had something to prove. So kind of that combined determination and kind of eagerness to prove that they are first team contenders, despite it being a league below, um, I think that's what really pushed us forward. And like I said, Grandma Khan's knowledge of the sides. Someone I do wish, despite our form, um, would have shone a bit more would be Tommy's because obviously we played Gillingham on the opening day and I really hoped that um, for the rest of the, like so far that he's, he's shone, but he hasn't. But other than that, I think we've got a lot of young players. That is what I do like about the club. As much as fans dislike the Allens, something they did do when they took over was they've invested so much in the academy and we've really got a lot to show for it. Um our back four on Saturday, um, Jacob Greaves, um, he's a whole lad. Brandon Fleming went to my school. Um, we've had Callum Jones. He's a young lad who's come through as well this season. We've given so much opportunity to them. And I really think that can't be a factor that's overlooked. And that, in combination with, like players will mention later, George Honeyman, who's got serious maturity and experience in this league. Um, All together, the young lads can learn off them. And I think it's influenced our performances. It does give you that thing, doesn't it, in League One? And you know, a, a, personally, I think our best player is Lyndon Gooch, but when he first dropped into this division, he was sort of learning how to be a professional footballer. And you know, over time, it does give certain players, and Honeyman was one of the beneficiaries as well, of that game time. Um, is that one positive of, of Hull at the moment, then, the fact that you're getting some young lads in the team, first-team experience, that can grow with the club and hopefully give you a positive future with, fingers crossed for yourself, new owners then? Definitely. I think as long as they're not sold off prematurely, I, I always think that's important with academy players to kind of nurture them at the home club um, rather than selling them on when really, I mean, it's not just to benefit the club, but financially so much more can be gained. Like by, even though we sold Jared Boyden at a time when a lot of fans disagree, if we sold him sooner, because we sold him when he was a massive asset, obviously doing fantastic now. Um, it's not like we've sold a, a fake star, but um, he, he, we sold him at his prime and we got a good price from West Ham. Um, it's a bit like, I'm trying to think who, we sold Andy Robertson prematurely. Yes. And obviously Harry <laughs> Maguire. I mean, obviously we've got a cut of that, but imagine if we'd kept him a bit longer and developed the talent a bit more. Um, but otherwise, I think um, definitely to benefit the club and also hopefully if we get promoted, They'll want to be part of that core championship side there, I say. Yeah. They don't want to touch wood, but yeah. Yeah, of course. No, that makes a lot of sense. We talked about the fact that you are second, that there is, you know, there is positives around Hull at the moment. Um, you're second in the league. I would imagine you're going to be there or thereabouts the automatics come the end of the season. But we've also spoke about the past few games, take the Charlton result out of the equation. It's been, should we say, your stickiest patch so far because of those defeats, although it's not been as sticky as it could be. Um, start of the season, we obviously played Hull and I spoke to a Hull fan on this show as well and, and he spoke about Grant McCann and I don't think it was any surprise he was under a lot of pressure because he took, as you said, you're from just outside the playoffs at Christmas and you get relegated and obviously the 8-0 defeat to, to Wigan was in there. All of that came with a lot of pressure and I was quite surprised that McCann actually started the season at Hull. He started well, so that eases pressure. Now that he has hit that slightly sticky patch, has the the pressure ramped up on him a little bit or has, has he won a bit more time with where you are in the league and the positive start? A lot of fans. I mean, if you'd asked one game prior to the Charlton game, everyone was McCann out. 
because they think we need a fresh start. It's looking like last season again. That's what's the worry is. We're worried that we've lost that momentum and that's it because he had half a season to find a way out of the slippery slope we went down and he didn't, he just didn't. We had one win in the kind of final relegation scrap against Middlesbrough thinking even then I thought oh this is it we're fine now because we want a comfortable amount of points really for a relegation scrap but then we ended up finishing bottom because everyone around us um did, I mean I don't know whether you saw the relegation yeah it did. Um, yeah re- oh it was crazy like who ended like Luton staying up I wouldn't bet on that but um, yeah, so it's been quite worrying, um, the, especially when you look at teams like yourself and especially Ipswich. Ipswich always seems to start really well for the previous few seasons and then they slip. So that's what I looked at. So really, even I wanted a change. And um, like you said before, Grant McCann was actually linked to Chef Wednesday, wasn't he? Yes. And at that point, um, before we played Charlton, I said I'd buy his train tickets. So, <laughs> I mean, that's my point of view. But like I say, just winning back the fans is correcting the mistakes from last season to as much as, oh, yeah, we're, we're buzzing to have good results, we still feel like it's McCann's problem to solve. We don't feel like, oh, McCann's a wonder manager. He's just getting back to the place that he started because we brought him in when we were a mid-table championship side. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. We we had that with Parkinson, I think. You know, even if he won six to seven games, it was... It felt like, and I'm touching it again, like very similar to the, the owner situation. You feel like you're in like a pause mode. Do you think that Grant McCann will ever fully win the fan base over? Or do you think he's kind of fighting or, or treading water, fighting a losing battle? I think the thing is with Grant McCann, he's a League One manager. So mm-hmm. maybe, I mean, if he got us to the playoffs in the championships, and I'm sure players, are, um, sorry, not players, fans would kind of celebrate that. But the thing is, what you're saying about losing battle is no matter what happens at City, after a win, everyone's happy because we've won, because that's football. But after a loss, it's always like people bring in the owners um, and especially relegation, it really highlighted it because, and, and what was highlighted at relegation was that it's always there. And even when we're on good results, in fact, results aside, even when everything seems fine, something will come out. Like one of our academy prospects, Keen Lewis Potter, he's fantastic. He'll be a big player in a few years. He, we weren't playing him unless he signed a new contract. So that's the politics behind it at all, you know. And that was happening. Um, we were in the poor, that was during our poor run of form. And a lot of people were actually blaming the poor run of form on the team morale because of the Keenless Pot situation because he is at the core of the team. So we could be playing so well and something would happen in the background. We had problems with memberships. We didn't offer concession tickets. So if you say... Remember um, that. Yeah. Um, so obviously like, it's different now um, but um, so kids were paying adult prices obviously away fans suffered from that as well so there's always something in the background that's negative Even like we could win 10-0 and something negative would probably happen the next day so yeah. it always feels like there's something there yeah being a Sunderland fan I can definitely 100% relate to that to be honest with you um, on McCann uh, it was the second half of the season, as we've touched on, that that really affected you. And it was probably the, the sale of Jared Bourne and uh, Grzycki that really did affect you. But I think, as I said sort of slightly earlier, I was really surprised at the players that he brought in. I mean, off the top of my head, it was Eves, Mark Wilkes, Honeyman and, and Madison were the first four names that came up. But it felt like a lot of League One signings, good League One players, were players that had never really proved themselves in the championship. Was that also one of the reasons you think that you did go down or do you think the players were not blameless, but do you think that it was mainly due to the players that you lost as opposed to the players that you brought in? 
I think it's a bit of the birth, like, um, kind of birth reasons, because earlier I did say that we didn't, like, really get a substantial replacement for Jared Bowen, because... So when we mentioned the replacements for Jared Bowen and Ridicky earlier, we brought in James Scott and a lot of people kind of said that he would be the replacement. He's going to be the next Jared Bowen. That's what people were saying. And he just doesn't prove to be that. He's, he's had some good performances this season. Um, hasn't played for a few games, but he's, I think he's got talent. But he was, like I say, they're not, um, we didn't bring in anyone with credibility in the championship, which is what you need. It's like, what I said about George Honeyman, he's proven in this league and he's yeah. a leader. I mean, obviously, he's getting on a bit now, but he's brilliant and he informs the players around him. But I just think the team we had just didn't have the experience and also the compatibility because they were all thrown in together. I mean, it's quite a lot of new signings to bring in January and, you know, expect them to work together as the core squad. Yeah. So I think as much as uh, I, I do always believe that Jared, Jared Ingrizicki had a massive influence on the team, not just kind of with their like ability, but with the actual morale of the team afterwards with that massive loss, because everyone knew they were the, the stars of the show. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you lose if you lose a big name, I mean, it does run through the club because then it, it's not just the fans, I think, who's going to replace them. And then the pressure comes on the person that you've you brought in. And obviously, Marcus Madison being one of the players you brought in was maybe a slightly different personality what some of the players might have expected. There's, you can totally understand that. But the players that you brought in this summer, I actually thought on paper were probably even slightly better than the ones you brought in last season. Now, I, I stand to be corrected with that, but Greg Dockney is a player I've watched a fair amount when he was at Shrewsbury. Obviously, he was at Rangers, a club I watched quite closely. Um, I think Greg Dockney is pound for pound one of the best box-to-box midfielders in this division. I think Richie Smallwood obviously came from Blackburn. Richie Smallwood knows the division above. He's very experienced. Um, have there been your standard players this season or would you pinpoint other factors to this season as being your best players? I think it's a combination of both. Like you mentioned Greg, he has been probably the best, I'd say he's the best deal in League One. I'm not I mean, a lot of fans agree. Um, I can't believe we've we found that gem. I'm surprised no one else beats us to him. But, you know, I hope we keep on. I mean, it's January now. It's a dangerous time, but I haven't seen him any rumours. Um, but I think players which didn't have the chance to shine last season, like Malik Wilkes, he's been massive. I, I mean, he's my favourite player at the minute, except for Matt Ingram, but that's just because... I don't know. I just love him as a goal. He's our goalkeeper, but I know not many people have a favourite player as a goalkeeper. But he kept so many clean sheets and run. I just got infatuated with him. But I don't think he'll start against Sunderland. But again, I'll point him out. He was our he was QPR's third choice keeper, I believe. We signed him. Didn't really get a great deal of opportunity because we always start George Long. But after people lost faith in George Long, we now play him well except from in the last few games because like I say he's been affected by that dip in form yeah you know, he made a few mistakes but you know I'm, I'm biased because yeah. <laughs> it's like me, me um, with George Dobson I'm the same like that and everyone hates George Dobson but I'll just make allowances <laughs> from even though he's rubbish yeah, exactly. I get that hey you'll get his shirt when he's giving it away <laughs> yeah exactly I'll be the only one that wants it probably to be fair so I get that but like I said it's given us players an opportunity. Uh, you say about Richie Smallwood, he's got great opportunity um, experience at Blackburn. So he was a great, someone, again, a bit like Honeyman with kind of that experience and ability to translate that to the players, um, the younger players. Um, Adela Kun, he's amazing, but we've just lost him. 
he was so um his parent club Bristol City have just um called him back oh. and he he scored on Saturday. I saw I've that. Got, yeah. Got, yeah. Um. So that actually is devastating because. A lot of the players, like Greg, we've permanently signed, which is actually really positive for us because often we just sign people and learn, like Wilkes, but thankfully we've got him on the permanent and he's been... Um, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of personal issues around um, court cases, etc., but um, he's been faultless. I've like He's my favourite player, like I said, um, in terms of ability. But, um, yeah, I'm devastated to lose that loan signing. So if we can get another loan signing, perhaps from the Championship, um, most realistic because um, obviously we used to get a lot of we used to get you know Harry Wilson I mean look at him now but yeah of uh, course great player now now we get the fringe players from the championship but if we can get someone like him again because obviously he's proven himself so much here that Bristol have wanted him back I mean that could be partly to do with COVID and COVID the, situation yeah yeah need for to change up players um, but yeah, I can't fault the signings this season. I hope we do a similar job in January and hopefully not lose any of our stars again. You talked about Malik Wilkes. Now, we remember him when he was at Doncaster because Doncaster got into the playoffs the season that we got the playoff final. He was one of their stand-up players under Grant McCann. Um, do you think that's kind of helped him continue to do well because he's gone with continuity with Grant McCann. Has that been one of Grant McCann's like secret successes that he's brought someone in that he knows and he's, he's done well? Is that one of the positives? Well, I think it was, it must have been his tactic, but it didn't quite work in the championship because that's obviously what he did. And it got to the point where when we were relegated, we were, like I was calling us and everyone else was saying, um, you know that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? Yeah. <laughs> it was us and Peterborough and Doncaster. So we'd become this Peterborough-Doncaster hybrid because we were signing all Peterborough's players. And then obviously um, a lot of Grant's players, like Grant's players from Doncaster. And that didn't work in the championship, but it's worked kind of now. I yeah. mean, I don't want to speak too soon because of our dipping form. And we've had one win against Charleston, the other red card. I don't want it to just be an anomaly. But yeah, I mean, it's worked in some ways, like with Wilkes, but... In other ways, it hasn't. I think signing, say, like I mentioned, Tommy from Gillingham, he just hasn't had the same kind of impact. And Wilkes was a gamble because, but I don't think Barnsley played him in the right position. So I feel like we, um, Grant must have seen their mistake because he he saw his potential at Doncaster yeah. and then knew he could bring that to Hull City. So yes, I know. With Tom Eves, Tom Eves is a funny one because he was another player that was, I think he scored 20 plus goals for Gillingham this first season. I wasn't sure if he was championship level. I'll be totally honest with that. I wasn't sure, but there was a few Sunderland fans that I think that would have had him when we signed Will Grigg, which in hindsight probably still would be a good idea. Um, but Tom Eves hasn't really hit the ground running, even in this division. Why is that not working out? Because he's still getting his game, but he's not really scoring the goals, is he? No, I think we've had a lot of these kind of fluky strikers, and I didn't want to say it. I didn't want. I didn't want Tommy used to be like that because I don't know whether you, you know anything about his personality, but he's just a, such a nice guy, like genuinely like nice kid. guy. Yeah, and had, yeah, and we've had players like I think the last one was Will Keane, and then we had Diamandi, and they were the same. They were we, we were giving them all the opportunities we could, but they just weren't converting and. Even Charlton, the amount of opportunities he had, and he just doesn't take them. But fa thankfully, it didn't cost us then, but it has costed us before this season. 
just because he can't take his chances and they're not difficult. And you think someone who, like you say, has that record at Gillingham, that's what I thought. I thought, even in the championship, I'm very naive, as you can tell. I thought, oh, on paper. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> girls. Yeah, because, yeah, it's only when it's your own club, though. Yeah, of course. Um, I thought, this is this is it. We've got a gem here. Um, I'd, I'd love to look back at the tweets when we signed him. I was like, oh, this is massive. But just, no. Even in League One, I thought when we went down, I thought, this is Tommy's time, like, time to shine. And at the start of the season, it was all right, but... For a League One striker with that sort of record, he's it, just not, he doesn't do it for me. We need, I, I mean, I, I like him, but I don't think he's the man for the job here. Yeah, and there is a, I think since we've been in this division, I think a lot of people would say you need someone who's going to score 15 or 20 goals, otherwise, you know, you might struggle to get promoted. Um, but yeah, I noticed he hasn't really hit the ground running, but I had to come on to it. I know that everyone listening to this, all 10 of them, um, will be wanting to know about George Honeyman. Now, George Honeyman is the most, or one of the most divisive characters within Sunderland's recent history. Um, I will make no secret of the fact that I'm very much on the positive side of, I really like George Honeyman. He was our club captain for a season. Uh, some people think that he was the wrong choice. Some people don't think he was ever good enough. He got relegated to a whole last season. That kind of I think a lot of people looked at that and said, well, that's kind of vindication of why we didn't rate George Honeyman. But he's came down to this division on stats alone. Looks like he's doing really, really well. He's got the captaincy at home now as well. From what I've seen on, on whole Twitter, he's really, really well liked. Um, his hair's got considerably longer, which I don't know what, really what he's doing with that. But what are Hull's opinions of George Honeyman? What, what's he bringing and what's he not bringing? Well, first of all, I think he suits the long hair. I mean, have you seen the Who Scored Team of the Week every week? Yeah, he's in it often. Yeah, yeah. He's, 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 I'm not biased, but he's the best midfielder in League One. I mean, in the Championship, we mentioned already, you know, League One players. Um, I think he would be, that. this is his level. If we go up, he'd be, not no one, but in, in the Championship, he was a player that was, he divided fans. Um, yeah. I always thought in the championship, oh, his work ethic is fantastic. Even when we were getting defeated in that horrible run of form second half of the season, I still thought, oh, but Honeyman's worked hard. Do you know what I mean? But he didn't quite have the ability to back that effort. But in this league, he's just, he's demonstrated to be like the most kind of well-rounded player. Like I said, he's helping the younger lads, you know, a, a, adapt to the league. Yeah. But, um, I just think as much as I love him this season, if we did go up, we'd probably offload him to a, another League One club because he just can't manage that transition between leagues. So as much as I think he's a really reliable player now, um, and we I tell you what, we haven't um he hasn't played in all of our recent games, but when he hasn't been appearing, it's changed the squad. I think when Honeyman has a good day, we can beat anybody. But if it's not if it's not his day, then I think that's where we struggle because he's I mean he's physically in the middle, but he's genuine at the core of the side at the moment. Where is it you, you tend to play him? Because there was a big argument with a lot of Sunderland fans of where his best position was. We would play not a four three three. Um, we would be more like a 
four at the back, two in uh, two hold midfielders, three in and another one. And he'd go between the number 10 and sometimes he'd go deeper. But from what I've seen, and I could be wrong with this because I haven't watched every game, but it looks like he's playing a little deeper than a number 10, like a, an out-and-out central midfielder, essentially. Um, or does yeah. he play more advanced? Yeah. Or he plays quite deep? Well, he plays quite deep, but when we're on the attack, he does take the opportunities. Like, he got an assist. Um, he assisted Greg on Saturday. So he, he plays forward when it's appropriate, but unless we're, because obviously we were one nil up at that point, but most of the time he holds back and kind of just stays ahead of the back line. With Honeyman, the big thing for me that I didn't find surprising in some sort of way, I felt like I'd vindicated my opinion of him. Um, Honeyman, like I said, I've touched on before, I liked him, but he was more might. But one of the big conversations was whether he should have been Sunderland captain because he, he got the captaincy with Sunderland when he was 23, I think. He, not played that many games. He, I think he, he blossomed really late with Sunderland because of our regression through the leagues. A lot of people just weren't having him as captain. And many people sort of in the club and around the club really thought he was the right choice. But he's gone to Hull, not as captain, but now he is club captain. What is his leadership qualities like? Do you, do you think he's the right choice? And the Hull fans seem to think that he's the right person to be wearing the armband? I don't doubt that at all. I think um, we've had captains come and go. Um, our former captain obviously departed, but um, obviously it's been changed around. And I, I'm a believer that one captain should face thick and thin. I don't like the idea of dropping and switching captains, but he has actually earned it. Um, and I hope that continues. I hope a bad run of form doesn't mean that we change it to someone else because the qualities of a leader mean that it's fine. We've had a bad spell. Let's see how we go now. Let's motivate the players around you to not kind of accept that defeat. And I think one difference from last season and why I'm happy that we did make changes in the summer um, was that it's not the same squad who will have that mindset. Oh, great. It's just like last season. Now we're going to have a shit run. He can now say, it's just a bad spell, lads. Teams around us, they haven't really made the most of the situation that we because everyone around this is what I'm upset about teams around us had a very poor run of form we could have been points yeah. at the top we could have been have a massive gap you know safe as anything um, in the automatics but we've missed the opportunity but so have they they've missed the opportunity to capitalise so as long as he has that positive mindset to tell you know inform those around him to keep that winner's mindset, that promotion mindset. And, it, you know, because the captaincy last season was a bit all over the place. So I just hope it stays consistent this season. So hot take, George Honeyman is a captain, if any Sunderland fans are listening that weren't fans of uh, of Honeyman. But no, on a serious note, it's nice to see him doing well. He's a, he's a nice bloke. And I think Sunderland through and through, I think. So I'm pleased to see he's doing well, as long as it's not at the behest of ourselves on Saturday. Um, on to Sunderland a little bit. I've said in the past few weeks, it's probably my favourite part of the preview podcast is getting other people's opinions on something because they're so varied and, and wide and, and different. Um, you've already faced us once this season, but it was after like a six-month layoff. It was a bit like a glorified pre-season friendly. We come into the game in 11th. Obviously, we've got a few games in hand, but even so, we're not really close to the automatics. You come in second place. You've only got the one win and the four. But from an outsider's perspective, before we go on to the game on Saturday, what have you made of Sunderland's season from what you've seen? I think it's what's to be expected after you've kind of been in this league for so long. Because what I always think, and I'm not making this about Hull City again, but I'm because I think we're very similar clubs, so we're Ipswich. But I think you go down, you have that one season to bounce back. 
but once you don't bounce back, your best asset, assets leave and then you're stuck with a predominantly League One squad. And now you've been in this division for quite some time now, and a lot longer than many had expected. But I just think that it's going to be another season where you might just miss out. I think you might just miss out on the actual playoff spots. I'd love, you know, I, I like to see you doing well, but I just think that you're probably not going to get quite there with the squad you've got. I don't think your performances have been exceptional. And this is a tough league. If you if you miss out on those kind of opportunities to capitalise and beat the teams below you and around you, then I don't think you're going to make it to the top because it's so tight up there. Yeah, no, it, it feels like that. You know, Sunderland nil draw against Northampton, defeat against Wigan, a 4-0 win against Lincoln out of nowhere for no apparent reason. And obviously the COVID situation hasn't helped that. But I think... Maybe a lot of Sunderland fans feel like that as well. Um, with your luck going for the effectively the title, I'm sure you'd take second. I think getting up there is getting up there doesn't matter. And don't worry about offending us here, but do you legitimately see us as promotion rivals? Like, would you see Saturday's game as like a big promotion game or do you think there's better teams in this league that you're more concerned about? I think on paper, like I said before, size of the clubs, I think a lot of people are quite interested in Hull Sunderland. Yeah. But, in terms of league positions, this is another winnable fixture. The only thing that, as you mentioned, that 4-0 defeat, um, when you sorry, when you defeated Lincoln 4-0, because obviously they're up there with us. And fair enough, you like you say, it might be a one-off result, but you don't just win a game 4-0 unless it's justified. I mean, maybe 1-0, a scrappy smashing grab, but 4-0, I think there must have been some quality in there which kind of led to that win and you might have just had a bad spell since but I just think your problem is inconsistency because you can win a game mm-hmm. like that even that when you won that game I thought oh Sunderland are you know going to be in the race now but mm-hmm. since yeah. then you haven't demonstrated that I mean the draw to North, Northampton I really like Northampton and um, they were my second club when they were in league two when we were in the championship but now we're in the same league um, and uh, I've been following them but they're very poor this season and yeah. that is a winnable fixture. So winnable. And we've had, obviously, the COVID layoff, but, yeah, it gets to the point when those excuses have to be stopped using, uh, stopped being used, sorry. But I will ask this question, and, I'm I, again, I worry every time that I ask it because the first season people could name four or five players. Now it's like people almost look on Wikipedia to see which players are in the squad still. But is there any particular players from Sunderland's side that you worry about? Like, is there any areas where Hull are particularly weak like say right back, left back, centre off, whatever midfield, where you think something could damage you and we've got the players to do so. Is there any players that you'd pick out? Well, like I say, um, our back line, we changed it quite significantly. Um, but before then, in the kind of losses that we've had, the three consecutive ones, our defence really let us down. And someone that I've had my eye on, um, and it seems a bit divided. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Charlie White, he seems yeah. to be an impressive sense forward and he's got really good experience in League One at Bradford and with a decent goal-scoring record. Is he a top scorer this season? This season, he's he's done all right, but because of his previous seasons, you, you're kind of right in, in your, your summarisation. He's, he's a bit marmite, but he has had a good season and the facts don't lie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think when you've got someone with experience, like we've mentioned in Honeyman, um, that... And, and Smallwood, obviously, I think it can change the side. Obviously, I'm a fan of younger, like with, with us, our forwards are quite young. Um, Keyless yeah. Potter, like I mentioned, he's a great player, very young. Um, 
pretty sure he's my age actually, um, 20, 19, 20. Um, but he's excellent. He's got that kind of eagerness. But I think at the moment you seem to be depending on kind of a long ball game and he seems to be a target man who's there to kind of take the opportunity. Yeah, we're hoping it changes with, with Johnston and the Lincoln game completely outside of it. But we've had a lot of possession this season without really doing anything with it. But I think Charlie White's on 10 goals, which is not a bad return. So although it might be a surprising thing for a lot of people to hear, he is getting mentioned more week on like by opposition fans. So, you know, he is having a good season. I can't deny it. But I don't know if you're a person that makes predictions. But final question is always is, have you got a prediction for Saturday? I'm going to be positive because I was quite worried um, because I feel like we've got quite a bad record. Right, forget about the um, the cup game this season, but we've got quite a negative record recently um, against Sunderland. So I'm going to say two one Hull City, but you'd score first. I'll take a. I'm going to take a one one. I'm not feeling that positive because I remember our record being really bad against you in the Premier League. But Bobby, thanks so much for popping on it. Such short notice. Um, I hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as I have. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Really enjoyed it and looking forward to the game on Saturday. Awesome. Thanks, mate.